Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single, coming to you live from uh, weirdly beautiful Brooklyn. It's been weirdly, ominously warm in early November as the leaves are like totally beautiful and brilliant. So, <coughs> excuse me. That's how I want to go out. I want to um, get on a call and start coughing violently two minutes in and then just die on air. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's very nice in Brooklyn. I just got back from our sort of mini tour, uh, for Blotch Reported. We did live shows in, um, Boston, New York, and Arlington, Virginia, and not Dartmouth. Definitely not Dartmouth. But, uh, it was an amazing experience. I'd never really done something like that before. I was, um, thrilled with sort of the energy in the room. I was surprised, uh, how, like, draining it is. I don't know. Just, like, it's not physically or emotionally draining or shouldn't be you just go on stage and talk to your friend for 90 minutes but it, it's um i don't know it's like an element of performance i guess and, and i was surprised by how uh drained i felt after but i was like incredibly grateful that i got to do it it's just like this whole thing has been uh crazy so i really appreciate everyone who came there uh ckw in the chat i met him in person at the arlington virginia pregame session um I'm basically just going to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, so feel free to hop in the queue. Uh, I have been looking more into <clears throat> a subject that I hope isn't boring people by now, but it, I don't know. It would be understandable. We're doing a long episode looking carefully at this stuff. John Stewart and John Oliver said uh, about youth gender medicine. They both did episodes, like I think, just a few days apart, at least within a week. And I've just had like continuous uh, building frustration at people, very smart people's inability to to do a couple of things. One one thing they're totally incapable of doing is separating out the question of whether banning youth gender medicine um, is good, which I think it is not. That from the question of whether the evidence for the treatments is good, which it is also not. And in part because of the level of hyperpolarization we're suffering from, it feels like people don't have maybe don't feel comfortable saying I'm against these bills. I'm against Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton, like literally going after trans kids and trying to remove them from their parent, from their families. But the actual evidence is really weak and these are serious treatments and we should be cautious. So in watching the way both John Oliver and John Stewart handled this, they basically just deferred to a very small group of activists and clinicians. Uh, I know, Everyone who follows this knows who they defer to. Uh, they, I know exactly who their producers must have talked with. Um, and they just come to the conclusion that there's nothing to worry about here. And the fact that they chose the Attorney General of Arkansas as their one Stewart did, as his one like exemplar of, of skepticism, um, you know, she's obviously a powerful person, but she, she's not representative of sort of the, the good faith grounded worries you get from folks like Marcy Bowers or Erica Anderson or Laura Edwards Leeper, like folks who have come forward at some personal cost saying they don't like the direction things are headed. Uh, going through and watching, looking at all this stuff, Oliver and Stewart cited, I don't think they list their citations anywhere. So you just have to figure it out if from knowing this stuff. And in some cases, it's very clear what studies they're referencing. Um, they just badly distort what the literature actually says the most egregious example is Oliver trying to convince everyone that we shouldn't really worry much about detransitioners 
first of all, saying the detransition rate is 2%, which is just a made-up statistic in American context. We have no, no way of knowing if that's true. He also says that most detransitioners detransition for external reasons, such as transphobia. That's a key part of the argument, because let's say there were a fair number of detransitioners, but they didn't detransition because they'd been misdiagnosed, or they weren't trans, or they weren't gender dysphoric, or their feelings about their GD changed, or their gender changed. If they're being forced back into the closet, as it were, because of transphobia, that would be a reason not to worry about detransition you know, as maybe a sign of bad diagnostic processes or bad doctors or sloppy doctors. <clears throat> so Oliver claims that the vast majority of the transitioners detransition for external reasons. He is, he is referencing a study co-authored by Jack Turbin of the United States Transgender Survey. Um, hold on one sec, guys. I just got a cough again. I don't want to gross you He's referencing a study based on the U.S. Transgender Survey, uh, which is a very broken data set for all sorts of reasons. Uh, but even if it weren't broken, it's a data set of people who currently identify as like trans or, or gender nonconforming, folks who don't identify as cisgender. So one of the things they asked him about was like, okay, you're transgender now, as someone taking the survey you're supposed to be, have you at any point detransitioned in the past? And in this cohort of folks who currently identify as trans, some of them had, and of the ones who had, a lot of them, 85% cited at least one external factor. That's useful. We should know why people who do identify as transgender detransition, uh, it's helpful, but that has no bearing on people who detransition and then stay detransition. They're completely different populations. You can't tell, say anything about the likelihood of different experiences among long-term detransitioners by posing the question to folks who currently identify as trans. So anyway, folks should get in the queue for comments or questions, but this was one of many examples of situations where they're just, they're using data in a way where they would absolutely tear the Trump administration, a new one. If the Trump administration used similar data in similar ways or similar tactics to make arguments. Um, another example that was, <clears throat> they cite this Diana Tordoff study. She's the name of the researcher out of the University of Washington that I wrote thousands of words on because this study traveled far and wide. And the only thing we, because they were so opaque with their research methods and won't share their data, the only thing we can say about this study with some certainty is that kids at this clinic in Seattle who went on hormones and or blockers did not get better by the researchers' own measures, which are flawed and I think designed to cherry pick and, and cast a good light on these treatments by their own measures suicidality didn't go down, anxiety and depression didn't go down. So to look at us, to cite a study like that um, as evidence uh, is not good. Actually, now that I think about it, this was, this was Teen Vogue writing about this stuff today. They cited it. I'm not sure Oliver or Stewart do cite it. So I don't want to be unfair, but at the end of the day, um, you're not going to find any studies where kids go on hormones or blockers, very suicidal and the hormones or blockers reduce their suicidality significantly. There's no studies like that. And and there might not be studies like that because some clinicians are leery about putting kids on blockers or hormones if they're very suicidal because you're taking a kid who's already suicidal and you're injecting them with substances that might have unpredictable, unpredictable behavioral effects. I know some clinicians at least uh, would be leery of that. Others others maybe not, but they, they haven't published studies. So... I think it's like a little bit of a sin for Oliver and Stewart to tell millions of people, including a lot of parents trying to figure this stuff out, that um, 
hormones and blockers reduce kids' suicidality. I can't think of a more unethical thing to spread misinformation about. I mean, you're telling people these treatments will reduce their kids' suicidality. We don't know that. And we have some evidence that kids with a lot of mental health problems, um, you know, they, they remain pretty unwell. There's one Finnish study where, you know, the kids who had messed up problems beforehand continue to have messed up problems. So I'll take KW. Others should get in the queue. <laughs> hey, Jesse. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Going great. Uh, first of all, quick story for the listeners. Uh, I did meet I did meet you in person. Uh, I was in a bar right across from the venue and me and about a dozen other people. And for the listeners, let me tell you, this guy right here walks in and buys everyone a shot of whiskey. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I was glad to be able to do that. that. Like I like I said, you guys have bought me plenty of drinks, so it was not um. Uh, I was very glad to be able to do that. I was glad to be able to meet you guys. And likewise, and you know, I'm glad you guys are going to do a piece about John Stewart and John Oliver. Because as I've said before, I used to love John Oliver, but at some point, I think in 2020, it's just he got and not. I don't know if it's that he got more woke. He, he just started getting meaner and and nastier and just more haughty and. I don't know what happened. It's almost like you take a you take a Fox News person, you just flip the politics, and the attitude is exactly the same. It's just really off. I'm I'm actually making that point in the draft of our show notes that in a lot of ways they're just doing the exact flip side of Fox News. They're cherry picking the craziest people on the other side. They're distorting research. They're using studies in a shitty way. Um, and I'm I I'm I haven't watched enough. Oliver lately to know because I do find him increasingly insufferable. I'm curious. It could be he's always been a dick, but I just like wasn't uh, didn't notice it as much in 2013 than I do now. He's definitely smug. He is funny, but he's also smug. And or it could just be like the smugness doesn't wear as thin if these guys are attacking like someone like George W. Bush who deserves to be attacked. But in this case, they seriously misfired. Yeah, and I guess the one Oliver piece I did watch was in 2021 right after afghanistan right after our our epic fuck up there because i did want to hear his take because he is critical of biden for what it's worth and we do need that from time to time and i thought that was a good piece but everything other than that i'm just like no i i I just can't take it and that leads me to something else uh did you read by any chance friend of the pod cat rosenfield's article in national review this is the one I haven't yet. This is the one about why she's um, uh, people think she's conservative, right? Why she's mistaken yeah, as conservative. I, I know it's funny that she's writing that in National Review, but you know what? If she had written that in New York Times, the same people would have gotten mad. Yeah, of anyway, course. So who cares? But it's it's great for a number of reasons. It talks about how you know she cert- she has certain principles and it's just that the culture around her has changed over time uh she uses the show breaking bad as a good example of how had it come out in say the early aughts conservatives would have lost their shit over it over language and violence and all that stuff glorifying drug dealing and so on exactly and as it neared the end of its run the controversy about it started to come from the left where it was like Toxic masculinity and mediocre white men, misogyny, such and such. Come on, and Walter White is not a mediocre it, white man. He had 98% purity or whatever. 
Yeah, seriously. That's yeah. an exceptional white dude if you ask exceptional me. Exceptional product, and, right. <laughs> and that was just one example. And, you know, you just fast forward to now and it's just, as I've said before, I, I feel like the left is the moral majority now, even though there are places on the right where they're still trying to ban books and ban treatments, like you said. It's just we have meltdowns over J.K. Rowling and Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. And it's just like it seems to me that all liberalism is now is just finding a target and yelling all day about how they're bad, 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 bad. Yeah, I did a um, tweet storm on it years ago, and I meant to write an essay just about like the concept of feel bad liberalism, which is a form of liberalism that is just finding stuff to make you feel bad about. And, and I think that's. A thing. I think it's a dead end politically, but I think it provides a market opportunity for a lot of people because a lot of the outrage entrepreneurs just they're constantly looking. You know, they're what Freddie DeBoer called offense archaeologists. They're digging around for new yes. things to be offended by, and they can raise their own profile by doing that. Believe it or not, that tweet storm is how I first discovered. Oh, Google glad to hear it. Because a friend shared it with me. That's great. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I owe him a lot. Um, and I guess the one final point I want to make is I don't know where things are going to go with the elections coming up with the midterms. You could argue that there are certain forces like inflation or, or wokeness pushing people toward the right. You could also argue the abortion ruling and the general craziness on the right is pushing people left. But no matter what happens, there need to be some conversations about what's going on. Because, look, I, I know that. No one's putting a Teen Vogue staffer in Biden's cabinet. No one's putting Ibram Kendi in Biden's cabinet or anything like that. But there's just such a thing as the static background noise where you go on social media or you go on any site that offers written commentary. The, the thing you're getting, the drip, drip, drip into your brain is basically, ha, 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 ha. I can't believe you're so fucking stupid. You're an idiot if you believe anything other than what I believe, and it's not my job to educate you. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I um, Thanks for the call, KW. I'll, I'll talk a little more and let you go. But um, yeah, I'm th I might do something on um, for my newsletter uh, on Kyrie Irving, this, this incredible – Andrew, is going to mute you while I finish spieling. Um, this basketball player for the Nets who, who has traveled from – uh, Flat earthery. I think he was a flat earther. He might have been being ironic to COVID denialism, which really, or COVID, you know, he's a vaccine, didn't want to take the vaccine for what that's worth. And now, like, genuine anti Semitic conspiracy theorizing. And I'm just curious how much of someone's path down that road has to do with the negative feedback they get. Because, like, it's one thing to believe what someone's saying, it's another thing the experience of someone calling you an idiot or a wacko or a radical. Um, something, as usual, something's wacky is going on with the uh, software. Um, I'll finish that thought, Andrew. Let's just take you before the machine melts down. The machine. That's what my grandparents used to call computers. Andrew, I am <laughs> unmuting you. Oh, no, wait, you're good. Go for it. Oh, somehow I was unmuted already. Okay. Um, so I used to also be a giant fan of John Stewart and John Oliver, and they could do no wrong in my eyes. But um, as I got older, and I, I kind of see this, um, you know, classic bullsiderism comment, but there's a very naive belief that I don't think I ever questioned when I was younger and never really articulated until I got older that there was just some magical person somewhere that had a lever that they could just pull that would make everything work perfectly. And yeah. all they had to do was pull it and they just weren't doing it because they were a bad person. 
And I had, you know, I thought I had an actual plan because I wanted good things to happen and not have bad things happen. Um, but I never really understood until I was an adult and had to actually like, you know, do stuff for work that, you know, execution and making things happen is not easy. You, you encounter a lot of chaos, um, you know, uh, you encounter stuff that you didn't even know to think about and nobody even else even knew to think about it. There's always these weird edge cases. Um, and I just was wondering how, you know, is that something that you've started to feel like a pushback on? Because, like, I, I I wanted John Stewart to be president, like, when I was, like, 19. But now it's like, okay, he's a funny guy. I think he's smart. But I don't know that he has ideas. Yeah. Um, there's a good Scott Alex There's a classic Scott Alexander essay I read forever ago that I need to reread. Um, Conflict theorists versus some other kind of theorists. I'm not remembering well. But he basically makes the same point, which is, like, some people think that like we have the good ideas, they have the bad ideas, we need to beat them. Some other people are just think the world is complicated and, and this competition involves different people with different notions of what's of what's right. Um you know, I I'm definitely I've moved away from the idea that there's just some set of policies that would fix everything. Um and we should find those. I remember John Stewart hosted the so called rally to restore sanity. And now he's like basically sugarcoating experimental treatments for teenagers. Um, right. For me, it's more like I just have a general because I'm not I don't have a sophisticated policy brain or policy knowledge, <laughs> despite going to grad school for public policy. I just have a general sense of like what I think a good society or a fair society looks like. And I'd like to nudge us toward that. And I do think that a lot of economic policies from our conservative party are like pretty far right economically. Like I just think their views on like how the economy works aren't well supported. I do think Democrats obviously have some of their own wacky ideas, but you know, you can just look at the response to Obamacare, which was basically a center right healthcare reform. Um, and so I don't think the two sides are exactly equivalent. I've definitely moved away from the idea that, like, yeah, some some system or some idea will fix everything. And I find it absolutely crazy when people think, you know, socialism would just fix stuff or free markets can fix stuff. Because obviously policy, the best policies are somewhat mixed and, and usually have some element of private, some element of public, some element of socialism, some element of competition. So, yes, uh, the only the only real trajectory in my ideology is I've, got, I've come to believe things are more and more complicated and I'm less and less qualified to know what the solutions are. Well, it's it's good to hear that. And yeah, I I, um, I work in projects and the only thing I've consistently found to work is try it a little bit, see what happens and then see. If you what kind of project? What kind of projects or can you not say? Uh, I, uh, I could probably say work in finance. So like okay. even, even stuff where it would seem like very easy, where you'd expect like computer systems to have like a perfect audit trail. You I mean, you run into things like race conditions, batch, you know, batch processes. Um, like permission APIs that you didn't even know existed, even though you've been doing the same thing for like 10 years. Um, and you, you never, you, uh, you never actually know what you're going to find until you empirically try to do something and look to see if it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true of a lot of and that, That's honestly like, that's like my, that's my political belief right now is describe the world you want and then just try things a little bit to see how they work before you try more. Anyway, I thought, I thought that I'd share that. No, that's helpful, and um, thank you for the call, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, the only real charity giving I do is to give well, which does effective altruism, and one of the reasons I'm drawn to it is they at least have a system for testing which of their interventions help people. That doesn't mean it's foolproof, um, but it uh, it's good. 
Uh, I'd rather have someone who tests which, which policies work or which projects work than someone who's just like, yeah, this is work. Let's pay for it. This will work. Mickey, what's up? I see. Um, can you hear me? Yep. All right, great. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in. I don't know if you listened to, I think it was the most recent episode of um, of the fifth column where it was, uh, you know, the main guys and then also Coleman Hughes. I've listened to the first part of it, were, but I, I'm only like 15 or 20 yeah. in, yeah. Yeah, I, I've probably listened to like half of it so far. But, um, you know, I, I thought that they had a lot of good points kind of like going along with what you're talking about with the anti-Semitism stuff and the, the Kanye stuff. And I, I thought it was really interesting. Like, I think that it's it's interesting. Like, we... the I don't know. It's like this whole thing is making it clearer and clearer to me that like the way like prejudice is just such an innate part of, of human evolution, you know, and like, like dividing ourselves into groups is just so natural to us that I really feel like we have to find a way to like, uh, I think sort of like KW was saying, like the, you know, if your answer is just being like, you're evil, you're evil. And I'm not, and I'm, not in any way defending what Kanye said, and it no. was very bad and was anti-Semitic. But, like, I just feel like it's like there has to be a way to address the fact that people are always going to do that kind of thing. You know, they're always going to just be like, wait a second, I don't, like, what's up with this other group? And I don't know about them, and they're different from me, and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. if you can't sort of, like 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 a lot of people were saying i know camille talked about this and i know other people have talked about this is just like is this is is the like reaction to his particular thing and again not saying that any of it is necessarily wrong but is that just going to reaffirm things in the way and also and and another big part of this and i'll shut up after this is that like you know i saw a really good tweet recently that was like that was like a bunch of major news headlines where like whiteness was replaced by Jewish yeah. recently. Right. And it was just like, this is, this is like the same thing that's just happening anyway. So it's like, if you just are like, no, it's, it's okay. As long as we're picking the right bad people, like you just can't really have an effective argument. Yeah. That, that way. You know what I mean? I'm, I I'm, I'm like trying that. to see if there's a weird bug. You're, are people hearing like a baby in the background as weird as that sounds? Mickey, can you hear that? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of am, but and that's yeah, not can your. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm you're a st- big baby. Uh, that's my baby. Uh, I'll... This is this is such a weird bug, but but happened, right? but you were. This is the second time it's happened on my stream, but you were hung up, right? Yeah, no, I'm hung up. I'm not even showing the caller anymore. Yeah, that's my son. Dude, downstairs. that is such a bad bug. I'm gonna tell them about it again. Can you? Do you mind leaving the room and coming back in? Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that's super I, I appreciate calling, but you can't have a. Well, you can't have a bug where people leave and then it just keeps picking up their mic. Yeah, it could get fraught. Um, anyway, yeah, the the I don't I don't buy the direct comparison between um, anti-Semitism and anti-whiteness, but I I get the just because one is like such a ancient hatred and directed against a specific minority group. But oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying. And I didn't mean are. you were making the direct yeah. comparison, but uh, yeah, there's just there's there's the bad guys and they control everything and they're. There, I mean, a lot of the whiteness talk is not that different from anti-Semitism. Like, it's mm-hmm. like this conspiracy of of whiteness. No one quite defines what night whiteness is, but um, yeah. I also think that 
I don't, there's nothing you could do about this, but surely if you're Kanye West or Kyrie Irving and you're met with this wave of online, you fucking idiot, look at this guy, look at this jackass, I don't think there's anything we could do about that, but I would imagine that does not have a productive impact. Um, I would imagine that causes a feeling of a siege mentality and you will seek out people who are nice to you and they will probably yeah, yeah. tell you the earth is flat or the Jews made the earth flat. Right. And I'm not even saying in any way, like, it's like, if somebody says something super shitty like that, it's like, it's good that they're being called out. I just think that, like, we're, the flavor of society right now is so, is so promoting of, of tribalism in so many ways. But then it's like, so when it does come up, and people are called out on it, called out on it, it's like, it, I feel like it's very confusing to people. So it's like, I feel like we need to find a way to, you know, stop blaming, like stop doing this kind of scapegoating and, you know, like pointing fingers at everybody all the time, but also sort of accept the fact that it's just like a very human failing. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. You're not like everyone, everyone's a little bit racist. Everyone, you know, thinks that tribe over there has the wrong idea and you shouldn't respond by freaking out, but it is a, <clears throat> oversimplified black and white view of the world that doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what I'm suggesting. It just, I, I just wish there was a way like something that kind of blew my mind is like all over the world, these similar things happen. Like there's the, the, um, the Lebanese in like West Africa, like they own a lot of the businesses and stuff like that. And people like have attacked them like yeah. Guyana or Cote d'Ivoire. I can't remember. And then like, similar things happen with the Chinese and Jamaica and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's a story old as time. And if people kind of like could kind of have a little bit more context for it, I feel yeah. like we could like move ahead anyway. Just my thoughts. No, thank you, Mickey. I appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, Mickey, if you have trouble, if it still picks up your mic, I'll just say so and ask you to leave the room and come back. I hope this okay. is an isolated bug. Oh, yep. There we go. You're still, you can hear me? Oh my God, dude. Oh, Will you just leave I'll the room and come back. back. Yeah. We might as well complete the episode, but uh, D, if you wouldn't mind unmuting. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up, man? Hey, Z, how's it going? Yeah, um, my, 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 first of all, a couple of comments. One, you're in some of these circles. I, you write for the New Yorker, right? Uh, I've never written for the New Yorker. I've written for the other sort of major progressive outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you're in these circles. How much of how much um, because you know I, I obviously disagree with you on a lot of issues, but how much of how much of commentary do you think is people's own um, perceived gripes uh, filtered through filtered through um, like them talk them supposedly critiquing a different group? Because I've noticed, and and this is definitely going to happen when unfortunately Democrats probably as it looks get their butts whipped in a uh, couple of days. Like I'm gonna, I'm prepared to hear all the Democrats did were too woke, and it just so happens that my ideas are what are representative of a bunch of Americans, and and I've just wondered, always wondered, how much of that is a genuine belief system, and how much of that is people's own views? Because for example, Batya Ungersargan said she's like, well, she she's, she took basically what Republicans believe, and she took what Democrats believe according to poll data, and she's like. It's not Democrats versus Republicans. It's elite versus working class, and it's like, how do you? How are you arguing possibly that like working class people don't care about abortion? They may not care about abortion the same way they care about the economy. But if you're 
making that case, then that seems to be more of your own issues with, I, I guess, pink haired liberalism. And, and you're just trying to project it on elites instead, you know, and to strengthen your argument. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's an interesting question. So I've, I've written and talked a bunch about how like abolishing the, I mean, tell me if this is a good example, like, um, abolishing the police and, and rapidly defunding the police are very unpopular views, including among African-Americans. You know, again, we're always overgeneralizing when we say what some race likes. I just mean at the level of averages. Um, in that case, I, I am talking about a policy I myself am opposed to definitely abolishing and some defunding. And I'm putting it in the mouth of like a big group. Is that sort of what you mean? I mean, I'd have to plead guilty to that one. You know, I'm African American, so I would say that policy is is true. The, the the interesting thing to me about even that claim was, um, and I didn't see you do this, but people will take that. They'll have one. The dishonest thing I hate is people will take that and say, "See, black African Americans don't want to defund the police," which is true. You know, pri- primarily it's white activists. But they'll never go on and talk about the fact that black Americans are very critical or very critical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's like a consistent that, pattern. In, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Because that breaks their, their conscience. They want to, they want to, there's this desire by certain people to paint this idea where every cultural grievance I have is not really against certain groups. It's really just against these white elites. And I have right. to pass off anything I like, want about that. So only white elite liberals care about police brutality, which is just not true. Right. And and that's what I'm talking about. Okay. And and I think that also applies to the fact that a lot of non white and specifically recent immigrant groups are a lot more social conservative too. So like it's just it's it's all a mess in terms of trying to say this group wants this, that group wants that. I mean the only real tight correlation we have is partisanship. Democrats and Republicans have very different views. And then there's individual groups. Jews are overwhelmingly Democrat. Blacks are overwhelmingly Democrat. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of like identity ventriloquism where someone wants to say something. So they, you know, put their hand in like a puppet of some other group and try to make a point through their voice. Is that, I want to make sure I'm sort of getting what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the case after the elections. I yeah. think it's going to be, particularly with this, I mean, I'm, I still think Hispanic, the Hispanic shift is overrated. Yeah. But I still think there'll be an attempt to be like, basically, like I'm what, particularly when white, white uh, I guess, heterodox thinkers do this, I'm uncomfortable with all this cultural change. So Democrats got their butt whooped, which would have happened in any midterm. And yeah. so it's just really all this woke stuff that we just need to get rid of. Yeah, that drives me crazy. I mean, as you're pointing out, you can... If you told me, if you stripped out all the names and you said one party controls Congress and won an election two years ago and it's a first-term president, what's going to happen during the midterm? They're not going to do well. That's like that's like pretty close to automatic. So then people try to graft their own preferred stories on top of it. I do think it's sometimes fair to look at an individual race and say what the factors are. Like when Youngkin won in Virginia, I do think some parents were pissed off about school closures and stuff like that. And that was a partial factor. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of like horrible commentary um, Wednesday morning. A lot of it about wokeness and white liberal and stuff, um, liberals and stuff. I don't think it'll all be wrong, but I just I hate trying to graft your own pet thing onto a national election because that's always a bad idea. Yeah, I yeah, and I think a lot of these people. My theory about a lot of these people, I guess, has just always been that they've been because not all these people are actually reactionaries. Like I don't think Badia is a reactionary, but I think she's someone who herself has reservations on these issues 
and white liberals are the convenient. I would say the same with Greenwald too. White liberals are the convenient whipping boy. Yeah. Um, and and you know, and then the other thing I wanted to say is to the caller's point about anti-Semitism, the, the GOP's response to Kanye and and the response to Herschel Walker really makes me wonder, like, how many of these issues are things that they genuinely care about? Because the, the Herschel Walker thing, that to me, and I know this was weeks ago, but that was, that was to me, where, like, I can never take a Republican who says they believe abortion is murder seriously again. The way they brushed yeah. that off, I was just like, I mean, Ben Shapiro... Candace Owens, like these people just didn't give a shit. I was, I was just, I, that's my last class. And I was just wondering what your thoughts on that were. On which part of abortion it? is like the disingenuousness. It's one thing to say, yeah, Herschel's flawed, but gotta vote for him. I would, I, I would get that. But the fact that they were like, oh yeah, whatever. It's just an attack. Who cares that he paid for an abortion, which I think is murder. That, that to me, shocked. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, Yes, I just don't. I I think you should be less shocked. I think is what I would say because this is what people always do. I mean, what are they going to do? Say, okay, I don't support Herschel Walker. I want the Democrat to win. It's it sucks, but people people will overlook anything uh, for the sake of partisanship. It's just like a really corrosive force. I feel like. For taking my call, Jesse. Thanks, Steve. AA will be. The, it was a good call. AA will be the last caller. What is up? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, how's it going? Hi, uh, I wanted to ask about, because I'm in the same boat as you and a lot of people I think probably here who were you know, huge fans of John Stewart uh, during like when George Bush was president and John Oliver at the first part of his show. And I'm wondering, how do you, how do you think about in terms of how much of, you know, I think they what they've become is pretty bad, but I wonder how much is it, is it them changing or is it me changing? Um, like were they always right? No, I was alluding to that earlier, and I just I don't know the answer. I think I would have to rewatch a lot of the earlier stuff. So I think John Stewart feasted off of George W. Bush, which who should have been feasted off of because he was a disastrously bad president. Who, in my in my mind, is responsible for maybe two orders of magnitudes more deaths, like on. Necessary deaths than uh, Donald Trump. That's another issue. Stephen Colbert perfectly captured the Fox News thing at a time when that was cresting. So I think at the time, a lot of it was brilliant. Then you look at like the com- comedic talent that came through The Daily Show. You can still watch a clip of Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert debating religion. That is just like the funniest shit you'll ever see. In terms of the more smug, moralizing stuff, I would imagine if I went back, some of it I wouldn't agree with as much. But a lot of the more basic red meat stuff that I think really made Jon Stewart famous. I, I bet it actually does hold up because the targets were so easy, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I feel like you may say he was just kind of an unfair attacker, but his target was such a bad target that it, you know, it, it worked out well, kind of yeah. washed out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the difference here. You can attack Trump 10 times and nine times out of 10, you'll at least make decent points, even if it gets old and tiring. Them trying to take on the gender, youth gender medicine thing with that same tone of just incredulity and and smugness, it, it's not a good fit because this is an actual like really complicated issue. That's I guess that's what it comes down to. There's just like a inverse correlation between how genuinely complicated the issue is and how good they are. It, it's not to me. I'm sure some people somewhere disagree. It's not very controversial whether or not George W. Bush 
planned the Iraq invasion well or executed it well or should have done it? Like these are easy questions. So I think I think they're good at like sort of beating dead horses. And sometimes that could be very funny. Uh, but yeah, if, I bet if maybe at some point I'll go back and watch some. But that that's my prediction. It is making me reassess my love for them before. I remember kind of thinking at some point, like, you know, I wish this is so great. I wish like, more news was like this. I feel like yeah. the monkey paw has curled on that. And <laughs> yeah, totally. It's, it's not turned out for the best. But yeah, I do think, uh, I mean, I remember at the time I was much more, I guess, yeah, you alluded before to the uh, Slate's Art Codex mistake theory versus conflict theory. Mistake article. theory, conflict theory, right. Right. And I was much more of a, a conflict theorist at the time. You know, these are just bad people preventing good things from happening. But I now more think, you know, it's just people make mistakes and bad things are good things are hard to build. And it's just there's legitimately a uh, hard question to be to answer that's not clear. Um, and I think at the time, I think a lot of his show, a lot of both of their shows is, is like very heavily mistake theorist, like focus. Like there's Absolutely. bad people and that's the big problem. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you completely. Nothing to add. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think it's, <laughs> but I do think that they have changed. I mean, you, you, for instance, they sometimes have alluded to like changing their hiring practices, right? Which I think has has probably it seems like, like I, I can see a particularly you know marked change in tone and et cetera, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I did an article about the supposedly changed hiring processes, and and they they're they're basically hiring the same people ideologically. I think just like. More diversity, which is good, like all else being equal. So I'm skeptical they actually hired that differently. Um, I think I lean more toward the eye change theory, but I would I really have to go back and watch some to see. Potentially, I do think. I mean, it does seem like there's like you watch John Stewart's new show. It seems very different than uh, the Daily Show, right? But maybe that's just you know the culture changing, or I don't I don't think the the segments where he's just addressing the camera are that different, to be honest. Um, I'd have to watch more of it. I've been listening to like a super cut of, of the, the highlights from those two episodes our researcher made for us, but it seems like classic Stewart and classic Oliver, but um, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe I'm wrong too. I, I mean, that's because kind of my intuition about it, but yeah, I have to go back. It's, it's yep. funny to excavate sort of this part in like of my history and think, you know, was I just always wrong about everything or, you know, was I always right? Yeah. And, Everyone else has made this change, but uh, I don't know. And I guess how does that like, – the question I might ask in the future is, like, what, what is the thing I'm going to look back on now and think, you know, what was I thinking? Yeah. No, that's a, that's a healthy question to ask. These are sort of vertiginous times. Like, everything seems like who do you trust? Why? How do you know what to trust? I, I, I think there's, like, very few institutions left other than, of course, Blossom Reported in this room. The only yeah, two you're, the only, you're the only person, only exactly. uh, good journalist. I'm sure you'll never become a bad journalist like uh, other people have. And uh, nope. I'll, I'll never look back. I'm infallible. Say, wow, Jesse Single used to be so good. What happened? Exactly. That's my prediction as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. That was a good good conversation. Uh, as always, I just ask 